Hi everyone, Raphael Harry here, and you're listening to White Label American, a podcast where we hear stories from an immigrant or two, sometimes more. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Welcome to another episode of White Label American. Thank you all for joining us and a shout out to everyone on the front lines, to the food and commercial workers. We say thank you and thank you to all in healthcare. Thank you to everyone making life easier for those of us who have to stay at home. And shout out to everybody around the world who is dealing with this pandemic in their own way. Um, we're just sending love and our support to each and every one of you. And just letting you know that you're not alone during these times. So today's guest is Gajinda Singh. He is a renowned architect who has been in practice for over 25 years, based mainly in New York City. He arrived in the United States in the 60s from England, but that's not where his journey began. Gajinda is also a guest whom I've been trying to get into the studio since the early days of this podcast, after we were introduced together, thanks to a good friend, Haprit, who um, I hope to get on the podcast down the line. So welcome to the podcast, Gajinda. Thank you. Thank you. How are you doing today? I am very well. I wish uh, everybody uh, safe and well and, and best of my wishes to, to everybody. Thank you. So let's begin. So um, you were born in India, but it's a different India to the India of today. So right. can you introduce us to the India of your childhood? Well, India of my childhood was a colony of the British. And they used to call it the, the crown of the British Empire. They cheated us at every point for 300 years put us one against the other till they achieved their, their, their objectives. Uh, they started from, from Calcutta, which is on the east side, and went all the way to Punjab and then further. Anyway, that's that history well known to everybody. But as far as my own time is concerned, I was born in 1935, and I'm 84 years old right now. But uh, uh, the, the, it was a peaceful time for us in general, but it was soon the wars, the, the, the Second World War was going to be happening when I, was, when I was very young. So my childhood was during the, the Second World War. Mm -hmm. And my father was very much in, involved in, in the Indian... Uh, freedom movement. They did not want the British to rule us. And, and so there were protests there. And at that time, my family had moved on to, to Amritsar, which was a commercial capital of Punjab. Punjab was the state where I was, I, I, I come from. Yes. <clears throat> and Punjab, actually the word Punjab means five rivers. Punj is, is five and Ab is, is, is water. So it's a land of five rivers. It's a very fertile land. And, and uh, it's a glorious, glorious land. So 
feel feel very good about being a Punjabi. Uh, it's it's a very healthy. Used to be very healthy. Things are not quite as good as they they were. But coming back to my childhood experience, I and I will I will go into that a little later. But I am talking about my family had a biz, big business over there in a small town called Javaria. And the business was essentially commodity trading. They were, my family was very well-to-do and, and had, there was a lot of money in the family. There were three brothers and they would, when the, when the crops would be ready, the farmers would approach them and say, okay, you want to buy the crops? Or, or to have somebody else, because they were traders, they would have some other people who would be interested in buying. So they would give them the advance money at that time. And as soon as the crops were ready, they would, they would then deliver the goods to, the, to, to whoever there. Then the new town was established over there called Sargoda. This was British who, who started this new new town, new city. And in that, that city, the family moved over there. All the brothers moved over there. And uh, the same business started over there. So As, after, sorry to cut you, but I have to ask, how did, were your family still trading during the World War? Yes, yes. Family was trading. Not only that, but there was another family uh, right across, their business was right across from ours. And they lost money in a lot of speculation, speculation in the, in the Russian rubles. The, wow. the, the, there was a, uh, the communist uh, revolution took place at that time. And, and the royal family was thrown out. And the rubles were, had become practically useless. And they were in the in the market at at a much smaller value. Now, this these particular people, it wasn't my family. These people thought, well, why don't we buy rubles by the ton? And and as soon as these communists get thrown out, we will have a lot of money. But unfortunately for them, the communists stayed and the rubles became worthless. So they were they were the one who were the gold dealers. So they invited our family to join them in that business. So my father joined them as as one of the partners, and and they were doing business in in, in gold. The, we invested the money, and they they were the they were the partners who were the working partners. So the family moved over to Amritsar, which was the commercial capital of Punjab. Lahore was the political capital, or Amritsar was the commercial capital. That is where our golden temple is. So in my childhood, I first was in, in, in a small town, kind of village, and then from there to Sargoda, which was a bigger town. And by the time I was about seven, we moved over to Amritsar. And my father was dealing in, in, in gold at that time. So that is that is how my where my childhood was but uh, you asked me earlier on a question which i found very interesting and I'll, I'll 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 bring you up to that 
you asked me what was my favorite memory of that. that yeah, period. I was going to come to that. Like, so okay. during, during this Shall time, I tell you? Yeah, your favorite childhood memory. Yes, my favorite memory is when I was about three. Mm -hmm. uh, we were all eating dinner. It was summer months. And I saw, I saw this moon up there in the sky. And I could not understand why the things that everything that that I drop, if I had I had a some something eating utensils or a spoon or something, if I in my hand and I would drop it, it would fall down onto the floor. So I asked my father. I said, "Do do you do you know why that big thing up there in the sky?" He said, "That's the moon." He said, "Okay." That's the moon. Why is it standing there by itself in the in the air? Why doesn't it fall down? And he said, I, I can't answer your question. I, I don't have that knowledge. I'm not a scientist. But as you grow up, you will you will learn that. So I thought that was a very funny story. <laughs> Three years old child asking that. <laughs> 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 it was just sheer inquisitiveness. Yeah, that's beautiful. It's beautiful that yeah. at that age, you you were ready. It it's it speaks to who you are, who you turned out to be. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's beautiful. <laughs> so, um, you have to uh, take a little bit forward, and um. So can can you share your experience of during and after the partition of India? Yeah, sure. As I told you earlier, my father was very politically minded, and he participated in all these protests, marches. We were living in Amritsar at that time. Amritsar in 1920s, there was it. It, it was a people were always protesting why the British were there. There was, it was always a hotbed there of, of, of this kind of thing. So there was a, this uh, grounds called, it was called Jallianwala Bagh, which meant the Jallianwala Garden, but there was less garden and more of, of ground over there. So all the political rallies would take place there. Back in 1920s, there was a rally in, in Lahore where in the British beat up on, on our leader over there and hit him in his head with, with sticks and all that. And there was there were a lot of protests against that and, and protests for the Namjitsar also. And thousands of people gathered there to protest. But it was a peaceful protest. And the British ordered that the protest cannot be allowed. Everybody go back home. And people said, no, we will, we will protest. And the result was that the, the man in charge over there, the governor, he sent his armies over to that Jalemala Bagh. It was a walled, walled garden mm -hmm. and, and it had one entrance, only one entrance. And Thousands of people were sitting there, and these people came with machine guns. 
and said, get out of here, last chance that you can. And people kept going their protest. And they closed the doors and started machine guns killing thousands of people. Oh. And, and, and some people jumped into the, there was, a, there was a water well there, they jumped into that, the others lay on the ground. But there, the estimate is that about 3,000 people were killed that day. So this was a horrendous thing. And not that it stopped anything, there were more protests afterwards, but that was the place where, where these, these marches or, or rallies used to take place. So my father would go there very often. Every two, three weeks, there will be some, some protest. So I would accompany him, although I was very young, uh, about eight or nine, I would like to go with him and he would say, fine, why not? So one day I said to him, my father, I want to go onto the stage and read my poem. He said, what poem? I said, this poem is, I cut it out from a newspaper. And it said, I'm an Indian and I will always be an Indian. You know, something like that is all, all, all very patriotic. So he said, all right, let me try if, if, they, if they, they would let you speak there. So he went onto the stage, asked them, my son wants to read a poem. And I was with him and they said, he's, he's, the, he's the boy. They said, oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. The, the, that was the, 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 the organizer said, can you, can you, would you like to? I said, yeah. So they said, okay, after this guy finishes, we will announce you. So they announced my name. I went up. And as I stood there seeing thousands of people, my legs started bulging. They became <laughs> like a rubber. I said, oh, my gosh. What did I <laughs> oh, so I started looking at the lights instead of looking at the people. Uh, and I got blind, almost uh, blind. And then I read my poem. I read my poem very well. So you still did it. I did it. I did it because I, I, I found it, 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 it would work. Because when I looked up into the lights, I felt more, more confident. And then I could, I could read from my paper. I was more reading, reading the paper. Wow. And I, I, I read the whole thing. And I got so much applause. It was very encouraging for me that it, it made me feel like I'm, I can always talk to people, a large crowd of people. Yeah. No hesitation. <laughs> wow. That that is... No hesitation. That was my training anyway. Yeah, that's fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh. Now, this was, this was pre-partition. Mm -hmm. and, and that was the time that there was a man by the name of Subhash Bose who was president of the Indian National Congress. And he was opposed to Mahatma Gandhi and Nehru because these people were saying, we want to do it peaceful march, not, not a violent one. And he was saying, to hell with the British, we will blow up the, the railways, we'll blow up this. And the British were trying to arrest him and he went incognito. He was a Bengali in, in there were two states which were the, the, the states that were always rebellious. One was Punjab, my state, the other was Bengal. And in Bengal, there was a big famine because they took away all the rice from there 
and 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 sent it to the armies. So this, oh, there is was that a the famous uh, famine that that's always talked about. Correct, 1942 famine of Bengal. Yes, and, and people died by thousands, and and that was there's a there's a movie by Satyajit Ray called Distant Thunder, and that was about that that particular famine. Satyajit Ray is a is a Bengali was a Bengali filmmaker. He, he has died recently. And this is a beautiful movie, if you can ever get it from Netflix or anywhere. This is worthwhile seeing. Okay. And it shows the whole, whole, whole thing. Anyway, so during that period, this, 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 this writer, the, the Subhash Bose belonged to that state. And he went incognito in the sense that he started growing beard and wanted to look like a, a, an Afghan, like, like Patans from Afghanistan, because there, there, there used to be trade, certain fruit used to come from, from there, and th those people were familiar. So anyway, he, he was in hiding, and then he, when, he, when he appeared, he, he looked like an Afghan, because he put the turban on, and he had a beard, and all that. And then he went into a train, and he played deaf and, and, and mute, totally. He was mute and, and, and deaf. He couldn't hear anything. He couldn't yeah. speak. And that was his pretension. And he had his couple of his other friends who were also pretending to be Pathans, like him. And they sent in, they, they went into a train that used to be called the Frontier Mail, or used to go from Calcutta all the way to Peshawar, which is now in, in, in deep into Pakistan next to Afghanistan. So they, it, it took them four days to reach there. Once they reached there, they sent a message to the German ambassador that Subhash Bose is here. He wants to come over to meet you in Kabul, in Kabul, in Afghanistan. So yeah. they, they arranged, arranged for him to, to, to go over there. When he went there, he said, I want to go to Germany. So they arranged for him to go to Germany by land. And because the the Germans had a lot of British soldiers as as captives during the during the war, you know, yes, prisoners of war. Mm -hmm. So they he he, he they the, the ambassador said, "I can arrange for you to go from here to to Germany." So so they sent by land. He, he went over there, met Hitler. Hitler said, "I can't help you in any way. You want more soldiers." And Japanese have more prisoners of war. So let me send you to Japan. So he sent him to, in, in a submarine to Japan. He went to Japan. He met with the government officials. His name was very well known. He had the same rank as Nehru, who later became the prime minister of India. They were, they were their rivals at that time. So Subhash Bose, after meeting with, with these people, got to Burma, which was the, 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 where the war was going on, the Japanese and the British forces. And, and from there, whatever they would, the, the, they released all the Indian soldiers, the prisoners of war, gave them to, to Subhash Bose. Okay, here are your soldiers, and now go ahead. So there was this Major Mohan Singh, uh, another Sikh fellow like, like me, and and he was he was also prisoners of war. He became, became 
Subhash called him a general, gave him the title of general. So General Mohan Singh was the leader and they started marching towards Delhi, fighting with the British. Now, this was a very dangerous thing to do because they were British soldiers originally, prisoners of war in Japan, and they started fighting with the British soldiers. So as soon as they would win certain areas, the Japanese would come from the back and take over. And so I said, this is ridiculous. I'm fighting for my country, not for Japan to occupy India. What are you people doing? So they said, you have to go to Japan to, to discuss this weekend. These are our orders. He went to Japan in an airplane and there was an air crash. Speculation is that the Japanese killed him. It's very simple. They, they didn't want to discuss with him. So he died over there. In, in, in there and, and all these the rest of the soldiers, yeah. they lost the main leader who could arrange for everything. So they became prisoners of war again in the hands of the British. So the, and, so now the British took over the old soldiers? Yes, all the soldiers and, and called them the prisoners of war and they wanted to try them for treason. And and then 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 this is when I was about eight or nine. I would hear everything. I would read the papers. I would go to these rallies because there was this movement to free free all the soldiers. In yeah. the meantime, Gandhi and Nehru were negotiating with the British to to get out of there, and the British were trying to dismantle their whole empire because they had lost all all their assets. They, they could not control. They couldn't control controlled your country, Raphael. They yes. could not control Africa. They could not control Asian countries. So, so it was panic on their part. So they wanted to get rid of India anyway. So the, finally, the negotiations were, okay, Subhash Bosch is dead. These people didn't do anything wrong. So they were all released. And and I used to, I told you this, my my little contribution over there. But at the same time, the, the, the country wasn't free at that time. Uh, there would be, uh, be protests going on. I remember coming from school, a lot of tear gas being thrown at, at, at whoever was there. And I came home crying, literally crying because of the tear gas. So, yeah, so, so I have all those memories very, very fresh in my mind. So this was pre-partition. And then the British left, and India got partitioned. India got partitioned because British did it. Everywhere they went, they 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 played their mischief. The 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 partition of India took place because they had split the Hindus and the Muslims away from each other, and and it excited them that when when we leave, we'll we'll give you your own country. You don't want to be with these Hindus. So they made all the fuss and they got there, Pakistan. And Pakistan became, it was two parts. One was East Bengal, which is now called Bangladesh. And the other was West Pakistan. And they were two separate parts, but one country in between was all of India. It was untenable, but that's another story I don't want to get into. Yes. But Sounds what I was terrible. saying was that, that uh, now, 
during just before the partition, Mountbatten came, and and nobody knew at that time that partition would take place. There was this demand of partition, but partition had not been decided. So when Mountbatten came, where we were living in Amritsar, and there were riots there between Muslims and Hindus. And my father decided that we come from Sagoda, which is in Pakistan, which was in Norton, which was still in India. Why don't we, the family move back to where we come from? Because that was peaceful at that time. So we went back to our original place. And as soon as we arrived there, the, the, the riots started over there too. It was a, a, a gamble on my father's part. Yeah. And, and one night, and in the meantime, uh, Mountbatten declared that India would be partitioned. And the partitioning was done in the most uh, crude way that they had somebody over there in England, they left the, gave him the map. He was some, some big officer over there dealing with, with these maps and all that, said, okay, these are Muslims, these are Hindus. <coughs> Roughly, this is the Punjab that is going to be divided. Bengal is going to be divided. Just, just you, you, you figure it out. He took a pen in his hand, big fat pen, and he marked the line there. That line went through some of the houses. Even house was half in Pakistan, half in India. And this was not a natural kind of partition because natural partition would have been a, a, a mountain or a river or something. River. That's true. This, this was right in the middle of the fields and horrendous. And one, one night while we was there, these, the, the Pakistan armies came and said, this is your last night here. Tomorrow morning, you better get out. If you don't get out, we will make sure that you'll get out. And we don't guarantee your safety. There's no guarantee of safety. Don't think that you are safe here. So there was panic. Some, luckily, some Indian soldiers had come from India to bring some political guy to pick him up from there, from, from Pakistan. And this was a whole convoy of, of trucks that came because they, they had to bring him and his family and some other stuff and all that. So this, the guy who was the leader of the soldiers, he tried to make some money and he, he, he said, okay, guys, I have so many tickets I can, I can sell. So my father paid him the money and, and got us, me, my brother, we, we were just... In, in shorts and, and no 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 shoes or no chapel underneath and he just so that was, that was not an opportunity to go home and pack just just put, put was into, the, into the trucks <coughs> and said you know uncle so and so over there in Amritsar you you lived in Amritsar before go to him etc etc all and on and our family came out split I and my brother sisters we came first then my mother and my grandmother and my aunts came after a few week or so, then then came my father. Six months later, we didn't even know if he was alive or not. Anyway, we 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 came safe. Luckily, we came safe. But there were many families 
who were murdered. Murdered, their women were raped, and, and all this horrible, horrible partition took place. Now, it is recorded in, in history that one million people, or maybe 10 million people, came from one side and the same number went to the other side. So this was one of the most or, or the, the, the most disastrous kind of partition where people were forced to leave their homes and, and overnight just, just go from one side to the other. Yeah. So what can I tell you? That is, that is how it was. So we'll leave that all for now. And yeah. uh, down the line, you will now leave India and move to England. Yes. And, and let, me, let me tell you that yeah. I, I, I was a student at, at the seventh grade at that time. Okay. I went through the whole thing, higher secondary and all that. I was uh, academically a, a very good student, and I always was on top of the, you know. Uh, we were about 20,000 students over there uh, in Delhi, and I was number 38. I was number within the number 10 for physics, chemistry, mathematics, and English, but there was one subject where I was very poor and that was that was drawing <laughs> and I, I will come come to that separately <laughs> I'm an architect now yeah that's yeah. Right. yeah yeah right exactly it, 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 it's 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 the biggest quirk in my life so I that was I barely passed in that and in spite of that I was number 38 in 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 from top down uh, I was in the top 40, let's put it that way. I was in the top 40 students out of 20,000 students. Wow. So, so anyway, I applied everybody. It was fashionable at that time to, to good students to go into engineering. So I went applied and I got into this. This, was, this place was called Delhi Polytechnic. And I got there and I studied engineering there but as i was studying i found it very boring i was the top student but i found it disastrous i said this is if i'm going to spend my life doing this kind of work i better change so i used to see these architecture students architecture was one of the one of the things that they taught over there it was a separate school but they 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 students would come sometimes and mingle and I had some good friends who had gone there and I would come and go and visit them and I would, they'll be sitting there doing drawings of, of uh, you know, landscape or, or some statues and, and designing houses and those kind of things. And I said, that's what I want to do. So I applied the next batch, I applied there and I got selected. And then since I was a top student in engineering, the, that's, the college wouldn't let me make the change. Because they said, and, and all education in India is free even now and was free at that time. You only went there by merit. You did not go there because you could afford to go. No, yeah. it, it was all by merit. And even now, India has this 
five or seven colleges known as IIT, Indian Institute of Technology. Oh, they, yeah, are, of them. they are the top world-class institutes. The, the, the head of the Microsoft is, 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 is a graduate of that and some, some of the people with Google and all these places, they're all graduates of those, those Indian Institute. So my college, Polytechnic, later on became an IIT. You know, so, so professors moved over to the new IIT over there. So it was, it was a top school. Anyway, I managed to, to, to agree to, this, to the college, allow me to become an architect. And I finished my architecture school over there. Again, I was very good at it. Because somewhere along the line, I learned, somebody showed me what was a trick over there. And I, once I understood it, it was, it was smooth sailing from there on. So, so, so what I, was this trick? Do you mind sharing the trick? Oh, the, the trick was when I was, I was studying engineering, the man who was a professor of, of teaching people drawing, he had these models, you know, like a cube. Yeah. Like, yeah. A, like a cone or, or like a rectangle, or the, you know, the bar, yeah. Yeah, these, these, these objects. And he will make us sit there in front of them and say, draw freehand what the shape is. And then, then these were all, you know, they were also cut, in, cut and, and he had put them back so that they looked complete. Once we learned how to do that, he removed the parts that were cut. And, and then he said, now draw this. And we would draw that. He would say, draw it from this angle. Do, do free and drawing. My God, it was about an hour or two. And it's it like, like I was a blind person and my eyes suddenly got eyesight. Hmm. I, said, I said, this is so easy. Nobody explained these things to me before. They just showed us from books, you know, draw this, draw that, draw what? I didn't know what, what I was drawing. Once I did that, I, am, I owe my life to, to this professor Mukherjee. Mukherjee was his name, he was a Bengali guy. Uh, a, a funny story about him, it was New Year, and I said uh, to him, uh, Professor Mukherjee, Happy New Year to you. And you know what he answered? That's, that's, that's the funny part, and I will explain the funny part. He said, shame to you. What? <laughs> I said, I said, what? And he just went away. I went to somebody, to a friend, and I said, I said, to press Professor Mukherjee. This is, he told me, shame to you. <laughs> he said, you know, they don't have the sound S in Bengali. It is, huh? it is SH. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay, I As much as, <laughs> as, much as I, 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 I owe my life to, to him. Uh, to <laughs> uh, that reminds me of... Uh, I, I, I thought it was the funniest thing. <laughs> uh, that reminds me of... Yeah. They're, they're in Western Nigeria. There are some of... There's a part of Yoruba. There are some Yoruba people who... They're they similar. They, 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 SH, there's a way they pronounce SH. It's, it's in a similar way. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, well like, like, like the Arabs, for example. 
the P uh -huh. is, is pronounced B. They call people, people, people. <laughs> yeah. You know, the Pepsi Cola is known as Pepsi Cola. Oh, no. <laughs> uh. do, do you, I don't know if you speak Arabic or not. I, I tried one time, but I couldn't make the sounds. The like, I, yeah, I, I struggle without the. Yeah, but 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 I I, I went to Abu Dhabi uh, and uh, drove Dubai, and I I was surprised. You know, Pepsi Cola was Pepsi Cola, and, and yeah. So anyway, that, that was the pronunciation. So uh, going from there, I I finished my my architecture later, yes. and yes. and finishing, and I worked there for two three years. And I applied, I, I wanted to come to United States because American architects were some of the best architects at that particular time. They still are very good, but they allow it, the field is, is mixed. Some, you get some very good architects from Japan, from Europe, you know, Italy, Italy and, and uh, France, England. So, but that time, best architects were more of them in 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 the in the united states so so that was my my dream that i want to go and, and study there and and learn and uh uh i applied at that time i got into princeton but i did they did not give me a scholarship and i had applied for a scholarship because i i First of all, my parents didn't have that kind of money now yeah. because we lost everything in, in partition when we moved over from there to, to, to what was the rest of India. And, and uh, so also the government of India had, had blocked it, any, any, uh, losing any dollars or anything. So they, they would, by, by law, you could not stop the Indians going by constitution. You could not stop the people to leave, to go travel outside. So they said, they, they, they devised this trick that we would give you either $8 or five pounds. That's all the money you'll give, get. Now you, you can go travel wherever you want with that money. So people would, in turn, people would invent their way out that if somebody, some member of the family or some friend or somebody was going out to, on business or something, you would give them some money in India and, and have them de deposit to some known person here. And, and that way, when you arrived there, you could, you could claim that money back. Oh. So, so you know, there's always... <laughs> Every hurdle has a has a trick to you can you can yeah. jump over. So, I too wanted to come to to America, but at that time I had not worked all this out. Didn't even have that money to to give it to somebody else. So I waited for next year. And next year the British were closing the doors to India because India became a republic, not a part got out of the British Commonwealth, said, we don't want to be part of the British Commonwealth. We will be a republic and we want to be totally independent of the British or any other, you know, country. We, we, are, we are not part of colonialism anymore. So the, the result was that they said, okay, you are not, 
you can't have British passport anymore. You can't just come here, walk in here, and then work. So they put a deadline of 1962, June 30th. And, and sometime in that month of June, a lot of my, my friends and, and classmates were leaving, were leaving India to come to England. So they came there, and I said, well, the same applies to me. What am I doing here? So a friend was coming there, and I gave him some money, and I said, when I come over there, this will be helpful. He said, sure. So I gave him some money, and I bought a ticket, and I went to, 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 to England two days before the close of doors. Wow. 20, 28th of June, I arrived there. 30th, 30th of June, they were closing the doors. So when I arrived there, I had, you know, number of other Indian friends over there. So I stayed with, with an Indian friend. Uh, and and uh, within a week, I had about three offers of a job. The British needed a lot of people at that time. They were so, looking for. So they were willing to offer that, jobs, no matter jobs, what came yeah, from. yeah, plenty of jobs are there. But if you were good, what you were showing to them, okay, then 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 you had more than one offer. So I had three offers. I picked one that I liked. So I I, I got into in, into the. So there was no problem for me, and also I got money from my my friend whom I had given the money. Oh, so, uh, hold on. Do you mind me asking, how much was the five pounds worth in today's money? Oh, it's eight dollars. Eight dollars in 1962. I multiply that by five, maybe six, fifty dollars at the most. Okay. All right. You know, so so eight dollars will be around fifty dollars now. Okay. So yes, fifty dollars doesn't doesn't take you very far. Yeah. You know. So, but it's it's enough for a for a for a guy who just arrives there. Yes, you know, fifty dollars in his pocket, or you know, some some uh, thirty five pounds in in his pocket. So enough to to get some food and all that. And and next week I I started my my my, my job, and you you got your salary you know every two weeks. But uh, I I borrowed some money from. The, the friend I was staying with said, "No problem, you're you're going to get." So I pay, I paid him back, etc., etc. Yeah, that's that's minor detail. But uh, no, there was there was no no problem at that time. But the British the the, the British economy was doing very well, and and none of us the guys who came there had any any issues with employment, which was wonderful. Because to be able to 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 get get a job, well, you know, good good paying job was was good. So I joined first one office, then then I I, I joined another office because I felt that was a better office, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. While when I was at the second office, now you wanted to know what do you what would you like me to. Describe you my my life over there in in England or what? I just want to know what's your um, what what was your experience of uh, working in England like, you know, 
you're adapting to the life in England. Did you experience yes. culture shocks? No, there there was there was no there, it, it it was a it was a experience which was kind of one side was very warm, the other side was very cold. And that had to do with the fact that while at the at the employment level, at the business level where I was working, I had some very good friends over there. The employment was good, work was good, and the salary was reasonable. But the place to stay, I could not find a place to stay. The British were so prejudiced about the, 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 the people who were who were the, the previous colonials. Yes. That they would not give it a place for you to to stay. I would you know there were these postcards at the bulletin bulletin board in, in supermarkets, you know, a a room and a bathroom or this or that available for this price, this, this, this. I would note it down and I would go to them, call them, try it there. The moment they will see me, they will say, sorry, it's taken. Well, one day I thought, this is taken. Sorry, you came too late, blah, blah, blah. I decided to, uh, a place where I wanted to ask them, I found a telephone booth right across that house. And my accent was pretty good in terms of the British accent because I used to listen to the BBC news in India and I had kind of practiced it a little bit. That's so so they, they, had, they, they could not tell that I was a foreigner or they, they thought, whoever is this guy, you know, let's see, you know, he's, he has pretty good accent. So I, I, I called and the lady answered me very graciously. Sure, sure. I have a very nice place here. Where can you come? I said, I can come pretty soon. Uh, say, I, I am too, not too far from your house. Although I was right across the street. I said, I'm not too far from your house. Would it be not inconvenient for you to meet me? She said, no, no, no problem. Come on over in the next half an hour, whatever time. I crossed the street. I rang the bell. The lady comes. She says, what? Yes, what can I do for you? I said, I called you from that telephone booth and you said I can come over. That place is taken. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Thank you very much. So uh, anyway, anyway, the, and, and then, then I mentioned these things to some of my friends in, in the office and they said, this is ridiculous. We will we will get it a place together. We will get a whole house, and we they they there were two or three people. They called another two or three people more, and and including me, and and went went to get a house, a whole house. So different people would have a room each. Yes. And the the lease was to be signed by all of us, and uh, they all signed the lease, and I somehow was late by about 10 minutes. So, so they said, no, no, he's coming, he's coming, don't worry about it. As soon as I arrived there, the, the broker, the real estate broker looked at me and looked at, talked to the other people. They said, this deal is dead. No, 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 no. He said, what, what happened? Well, you have that guy over there. No, no, 
I'm not going to give it to you people. Wow. Oh, he's, he's very nice. He's very nice. This, that, that. He's our friend. I don't care whether he's your friend. No, I'm not going to give it to him. So, so much for that. So, on one hand, I was doing pretty good in the office and having good friends. On the other hand, this, anyway, somehow I, I managed to find a very nice place. Again, because some friend pointed to me that place is this, that, that. And uh, uh, this was a Welsh person who, who, who you know, the, in, in the, it's the United Kingdom is, is, is Wales, England and, and Scotland, three, three, three parts. Now, this, this man was a, was a Welsh man, very nice man, and he kept his house beautiful in, in a great shape. And uh, he had some good experience with some Indians before, and he welcomed me, said, fine, and was a beautiful place. Anyway, so I got the place there. And you, are you ready for another story? Yes. India's Prime Minister Nehru died in that, that year in, in 62, 64. I was there at that time in 1964. And, and, and Mr. Nehru died. And at the, when I went home in the evening, Mr. Jones, the owner of that apartment, of the house, came to me, knocked on the door, and said, Mr. Singh, I'm awfully sorry to hear of Mr. Nehru's death. I said, thank you so much, Mr. Jones. That's very kind of you. And he said, you know, he was a good man, this, that, that, said some nice things. I said, fine. Now, the story doesn't finish there. A, a, <clears throat> six months or so later, Winston Churchill died. Winston Churchill died, and I thought, assumed that since he had come with condolences to me for Nehru, yeah. it would look very rude of me not to say the, express similar feelings to him. I went home, and I knocked on his door, and I said, Mr. Jones, I'm awfully sorry about <laughs> Mr. Churchill. And he looked at me, kind of looking puzzled. <laughs> and I, he said, what did you say? I repeated myself. He said, that son of a bitch. That bastard. <laughs> I'm glad he's dead. Oh. <laughs> I said, I'm awfully sorry you feel that way. He said, you know what he did, how, how he treated the Welsh people? He was the Minister of Mines earlier on before he became the Prime Minister of about 15, 20 years earlier. Mm -hmm. And during that time, he sent the army because the Welsh people had, had refused to, to, there was a strike and Welsh people didn't want to work. They wanted better conditions in the mines. Yeah. And he shot so many of the miners to force them to go there. And he said, you, you telling me that, that you are sorry for him to be dead? I'm glad he's dead. I wish he was dead earlier. So much for my, my trying to be nice. So let's move on. Let's uh. move on. <laughs> let's move on and to, uh. to another story. To another story. Uh. So I was working over there in England, and you asked me, 
what was my my experience over there yes i was working in a company called richard shepherd robson and partners mr shepherd was the head of the riba royal institute of british architects this is the organization of the architects over there and the the, the company had two offices mr shepherd used to be in the main office and ours was a satellite office and, and mr shepherd was the i had never seen mr shepherd so one day i was working on my drawing board i my my drawing board was right at the window up up front that was on the ground floor and he uh i i i as i said i never i used to see everybody going by here and there one day a, a, an older gentleman climbed up a couple of steps that were leading to our front door and he was on crutches and and he was pushing the door and the wind was blowing and the door wouldn't he had trouble opening the door i was looking at him from from that window on the i was sitting inside and i left my desk and i ran outside not ran outside but ran on the inside to open the door for him i opened the door for him and he walked in he was built built that the chachilian build you know he was a big man yes yes big man on crutches and he had presumably had polio in his childhood and and he he couldn't walk properly but he was a very good architect that's why he had these two large offices practice which was zooming and and doing very well and a very well respected man and so he extended his hand he said i am richard shepherd because we had never met before he knew I, because i looked distinctive in the sense of being a sikh he never met a sikh in his office so he shook my hands and and he said i am i am richard shepherd and where are you sitting i said right in this room on the side i saw you he said yes yes very kind of you to to come over and and help me out so he came by later going he was going through the office he had he had some business to deal with another partner and he came to see him and then he would go around just to see how the office was doing where the various projects were so he came to 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 where i was sitting and uh, so what are you working on he says i said this building they said northampton college of technology he says yes yes i know i know the building i i know the design so which part of the design are you working on i said high voltage laboratory now high voltage laboratory was one in which they had a a a, a main space inside the gallery in inside the main main thing and they would put big spheres the sphere as as big as about 15 foot diameter and 15 foot diameter sphere would come from top and they would both be charged million volts oh, and this wow. would it no person would be there this would all be done remotely remotely in the sense of there there was a gallery around it 
at the upper level. And, and the students would be asked to look at that and make their notations and all that. And when, when they did, did that experiment, they were testing the cables, basically. That was the whole, whole premise of that. So when, when they, they were doing that, they had to, it was total darkness in which you, you could see the experiment. That was the best condition. Now, the design that was already there, they had glass all around the gallery. And when they, when they did the experiment, they used to put the blinds down. And the blinds were all motorized. So they would put the blinds down. It, extrusions were made for that, et cetera, et cetera. That's minor kind of detail in that. But the point was that they had to they had to cut off all the light, natural light that was coming, so that so that the students could could see it. Okay. Now I was asked to 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 develop a, a design, detailed design of those windows and how the the the, struct, the thing was going to be done and where the electricity was, where the buttons were going to be pressed, and this and that, and and complete create complete darkness. So I started working on it, and I said to the guy who was in charge of my project, uh, I said, uh, Ian, Ian Morton Wright was his name. I still remember all those names some 50 years back. Uh, I, I said, Ian, Ian uh, why do we have all this glass here? He said, so that students can look out. I said, students are here to look at the experiment, not to look out. Hmm. He said, but this building will look very dull if they, we, we, we didn't have that. I said, this is a scientific building. Why do you have all this glass? He said, look, Gajinder, I ask you to do this work. Please do it. Shut me up. Wow. Then a week later, I went again to him. I said, Ian, I want you to rethink this thing, please. He said, no, no. This building has already been designed. I'm not going to rethink this. Go and do your work. So there was this tussle between us, but I, I had to do it because he was he was the guy in charge of the project, and I couldn't uh, approach anybody else. So I started with doing that while I was I decided to do my own version of it, wherein I made that whole thing solid, and with one switch, electrical switch you could create either light or dark. You didn't need all these glass and this and that and all, curtains and all that. Okay. And, and I designed that thing and it wasn't just a simple design. I created a kind of sculptural quality to it and all that. And I made a model of it. I did it all at home. I used to do a lot of work at home, not only in this, but I will, I will give you a little bit of that, that too. So I was, I did all this and, and I brought the model to the office and my model was lying there. When Mr. Shepard came, after he saw what I was doing, this glass, this, that, that, he, he put, picked his crutches, put it under his, under his armpits and was about to turn. And then he saw this model he said, what's that building? I said, that's high-voltage lab. He said, no, that's what you, you're just drawing. 
what is it? I said, that's my version. What do you mean by your version? He was a little annoyed. What do you mean by your version? This is the office design. So I said, this thing doesn't work. This thing is very wasteful. And he, his ears were picked and he said, explain it to me, not just make these statements. So I explained the whole thing to him in more detail. He said, did you explain it to, to, to Gordon Taylor, who was the partner in charge? I said, no, I said, I can't go past Ian Morton Wright. I can't go to Gordon Taylor. He said, all right, I'll take care of it. You just stay here, I'll, I'll. Uh, About 20 minutes later, the secretary comes and says, Mr. Shepard and Mr. Taylor want to see you inside Mr. Taylor's office. They all want you to bring that model and the drawings and everything over. So I took it all there, I go there. He says to me, uh, explain it to Gordon, Gordon Taylor. Explain it to Gordon. I explained it to Gordon. He said, Gordon, did you ever see this thing? Is that model is sitting there. You could have seen this. So he got on his tail. <laughs> and why didn't you see it? Why didn't you ask him, what is this? So anyway, as soon as I finished, they had already talked about it. Richard Shepard said to Gordon, scrape the design totally. We will do this building, what Gajinder has designed. And he will be in charge of this from tomorrow. So thank you very much, Mr. Shepard. He says, I'll see you sometime, sure enough. So next morning, Mr. Taylor had called the, the engineers, the structural engineer, and the other engineers who were working on that. He said, we are scrapping this building. This is the new design, blah, blah, blah. So I was in charge. Wow. And Mr. Shepard, to his credit, called me about a month later and said, how are things going? I explained it to him. He says, no, I'm calling you not for that. I want you to join me and my wife. We want to go to this play called The Sun Also Rises. It's a beautiful play. I would like to take you with us and to take you out to dinner. Do you have a girlfriend? I said, no, sir, I don't have a girlfriend. Well, we'll get one of the girls from the office, get her to come along with us. I don't want you to. So we got one of the girls. We went over, saw the plane play. And then, then we, we, we had dinner together and it was very kind. And any time some guest would arrive, there was from to whom he wanted me to show things and all around, he would call me and we became, he would treat me like a son. He was so kind, you know. So Mr. Shepard, having that kind of thing with Mr. Shepard was, you know, was very nice. Strangely enough, the guy who was working under me, yeah. he and I went over to a pub, although I was not a pub guy, who I, I, I didn't like to go to pubs. He, he came and said, you know, I said, let's go to pub. Okay. He went over there. He says, I'm going to be leaving soon. I just wanted to tell you that. I said, why are you leaving? I'm leaving because my salary is too, too low. How much is your salary? In England, you could ask, ask that, you know. 
in America, you don't. So I said, how much is your salary? He said, 1,400 pounds. So I said, is that bad? He says, I can get more. Why should I work here at 1,400? So I said, are you serious? He said, you don't believe me? He pulled out his briefcase and he pulled out that letter of employment. And I saw it and I said, oh my God. He said, oh my God, why? I said, I'm getting 1100 and you're, you're working for me and you're getting 1400 Wow. So I said, this is not fair. You know, yeah. Gordon Taylor is playing games with me again. So a day later, I called the office, said I wasn't feeling well. I called a few offices there and they said, okay, you're working for Richard Shepard's office? Come on over because it was a you know, star office. So I went over there, took my work, showed them this, that, that. Three offers in one day. And they were varied from 1600 to 2000. And in the meantime, one of those guys called the office <laughs> to Gordon Taylor to find out how, how what kind of person I was. So I go back to the office and Mr. Taylor says, uh, so you were looking for another job, I hear. I said, yes. He said, why? Explained, you know, Brian Hall is getting 1400, I'm getting 1100. Don't worry about it. I'll give you 1400. I said, no, Gordon, I don't want 1400. Mm. He says, how much do you want? I said, 2000. I said, no, I can't give you 2000. I said, okay, then I leave. He said, no, 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 I don't want you to leave. I was in charge of the project. The project was still going. All right, let's settle for 1600. 1600 is good salary. I said, okay, I'll settle for 1600. Well, a, <laughs> as time went on, I, I was working as seriously as I was working before. Everything was going good. I had applied in the meantime for uh, my, you know, going to America. I had applied yeah, no, to. That was going to be my next question because, yeah, we're also running out of time too. So. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So it was uh, Yale, Harvard, University of Pennsylvania, which was the top, one of the best schools at that time in architecture, still is, but, really? and, and MIT. Okay. And I got scholarship offers from Yale and MIT, both. MIT gave me full scholarship. Yale said, we'll give you half, but other half will depend on how you perform in the first six months, but you will, you can work in the library and we'll subsidize you there, 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 there et cetera. Anyway, I picked out MIT because it was, MIT was nothing to sneeze at, you know? Mm -hmm. Yes. I mean, I, that was one of my choices to begin with. Now, here's the interesting story. Ready for that? Story, story number 10? <laughs> I, a few weeks after I joined there, they said that, uh, that I had to, all these foreign students had to get their 
paper signed by the the guy who's in charge of the foreign students here and uh, get those papers and submit those papers there in his office. Fine. I fill the form. I go over there. He looks at me. I don't remember his name. Thank God for that. I go there. Mr. Singh, you are a student in architecture, right? Yes. Sit here. Okay. So, how are you doing? Doing quite well. Doing pretty well. So, what are your plans? What plans? After you finish here, what are you? When are you planning to go back home? I said I understand that I'm allowed to work in an office here or a couple of offices in that time. I'm 18 months time where I can. I'm allowed to work here. This the year was 1965, and that was the year when Lyndon Johnson said, "I don't need more." Uh, more Irish carpenters or more Italian waiters. I want people with technical knowledge. The Sputnik has been released by the Russians, and I don't want our country to be left behind. JFK has already promised you people that we will go to the moon, and we need all the help that we can. We want technical people. So that was the, the doors were opened up for for Asians and Chinese and Japanese and you name it. But you had to qualify for that. Anyway, conversation starts. He says, what are your plans? I said, I'm sorry, but I, I, will, I will work here for 18 months. He said, then what? I said, I don't have any other plans. He says, what do you mean by you don't have any other plans? You're allowed to stay. Uh, the, 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 you know, this has opened up the, the immigration and all that. Do you, do you plan to stay here? I said, no, I don't have any, any such desire. But uh, you are asking me something that is about two and a half years down the line. You know, he said, oh, so you have plans. You have plans to want to stay in this country. I said, sir, I did not say that. No, 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 you said it. I said, you're putting words in my mouth. I did not. So what are your plans? So he started going in circles around me. He wanted me to say that I, I, was, I was intending to immigrate to the United States. And the, the reality was that I was not. Yeah. <clears throat> And he just like a like a detective, you know, uh, the, the, the getting around, around around a criminal, you know, mm -hmm. going in circles and trying to pin him down. So I got fed up with him, you know. It, about five ten minutes, he was he was playing this game with me, and I was saying, "You are, you know, you are saying this. I'm not saying this." Then I said, "Excuse me, can I ask you something?" He said, "Yes." I said. Your family came from somewhere outside the United States. He said, yes, my family came from Ireland about 10 generations back or four generations back, whatever. <clears throat> I said, whoever came here, your great-great-great-great-grandfather, 
liked the country, did he ever go back? He, he, he stayed there, didn't she? And you should have seen like, I had put a, a matchstick in, into, a, into a tank of petroleum. Oh, wow. and, and he took my papers and he threw them across the table right onto the floor. He said, pick them up and get out of here. I won't talk to you. I picked up the papers and never looked back. I didn't want to say I'm sorry. I didn't want to say I apologize. Was what, not for? Sorry about what for? It. What for? <laughs> I asked him a question. If his grandfather was entitled to, 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 to come here and, and, and stay, it's my choice, not yours. It's yeah. not for you to dictate that to me. I didn't want to get into that argument. That was more than enough. Anyway, I managed to get my papers signed by him. Not straight, but through some means. I don't want to make this story unnecessarily long. So no, that, that's okay. That's but okay. I, otherwise, it just goes on and on. <laughs> but due to time, I'll have time. to jump a lot. You know, jump okay. forward. Okay, go ahead. So, um. So I know you made it out of MIT. MIT, why, MIT, why, I made up, end up in New York. And I, MIT, I made out as the top of the class. I was, I was declared as the number one guy. Not only that, I yep. was part of the jury too, which was because one of the jurist members was unable to come that particular day, and he called my my professor and said, I, I, I'm sorry, I cannot come. He, he said, so I'll recommend somebody else. And he said, go to the, this guy with the turban. His name is Singh. He said, you want a student to be part of the jury? He says, why not? He's as capable as any professor. Let him be, be part of it. And my professor said, okay. So he, he took me as part of the jury. So I thought that detail was has been was important in my career that I was part of the jury and and ah. and 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 from there I was working there for the office of the dean of the school okay and this was a, a hospital called Massachusetts General Hospital Mass General Hospital again a similar thing happened here wherein I was working and I was asked to detail some part of the thing. And I saw the whole building was designed lousy, in my opinion. I thought this was a mess, total mess. And I, a week went by and I hadn't drawn a line there because I was looking, turning, drawing. And the guy in charge of that project came to me and said, what the hell are you doing? A whole week, have you drawn anything? Can you show me? I said, nothing. Why? I said, this drawing is, this whole project is a mess. He said, why do you say that? I don't like what you're saying. I got very heated up, went straight to the partner in charge. David Heibel was his name. Mr. Heibel, that guy, Indian guy that you hired, he's not drawn anything and he tells me this whole project is a mess. What do I do with him? He wanted me to get fired. And Mr. Heibel had hired me, so he, he felt a little defensive. He said, send him over. I went over there, 
to his office and he asked me what was the problem he said your your guy in charge came and said this you're saying this 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 i said sir have you seen the project he said no i saw it very early but i haven't followed it i said these are the issues here this to this to this to this you you one one lab stops working for some reason and and you want to work on it you have to stop all the other labs five in a, in a row over there i said that's no way to design a building each part should be able to be corrected separately without affecting anything else he said i couldn't agree more with you so he says what do you want i said i don't want anything i'm just pointing this to you he said okay i'll tell you what i want i will give you time to redesign this thing and how much time do you want i said two to three weeks he said i'll give you three weeks okay take three weeks come back to me three weeks later and show me what what you're proposing i did that work day and night etc he looked at all the things he called this guy who was in charge of my uh, my project in the office he said leave this guy alone leave this guy alone and he called all the engineers and same day it's parallel story called the engineers and said come on over tomorrow morning we'll have a meeting and we are rejecting this project and we'll be redesigned he's done redesigned we're going to follow this what happened was that evening when i was working the guy who was who, had, who was a designer on that not the guy who was in charge of it yeah he when he cursed me to no end powerless language you ruined my my career in this office you've done this you've done that etc etc finally i kept working because hybel wanted me to take charge of the whole project 10 people were working for me now and although they had been paid by the federal government 40% he rejected the whole thing and then four months later my roommate who was an englishman from from the same school and and we decided to travel around the united states so i went over to mr hybel and i said i i believe it's in two weeks he said you can't do that okay what do you want i said i have to go because i never never come to coming back to united states i want to see he said okay let's do this in case you change your mind call me from wherever you are in texas or mexico or because he told him where i was going i will send you the ticket over there and you will come and take charge of this thing well that didn't happen because i never decided to call him back <laughs> but that was when i left now going further now you are asking me about about what i did further Is yeah like why why did you end up in new york why did i end up in new york i left that boston and have to after traveling through all all over the the, the united states and go to mexico and back and ended up in san francisco i was working in san francisco for you know almost a year and and then i was going back home and i said you know there was this architect in in new york city 
by the name of Edward Larrabee Barnes, whom I had always worked, I had always admired. I said, I still have six months visa left. Why don't I try in his office? So I applied there and I got selected. Make the long story short, I got selected. I was working with him on Yale University Sterling Memorial Library. He, Mr. Barnes, was in charge of the master plan for Yale and Harvard and some other top universities. And he was designing houses for the Rockefellers and, and for the Carnegie's. He was the star architect. Wow. And the fact that I got in, he, he gave me a lot of trouble before I got in. He, he wouldn't believe that I had, they, they were all my work, this, that, that, but finally was convinced that, and I, I, I got into the, into the office. Now, he decided one time that this work is going to be so important that he needs to have this guy work over the weekends too, but under his supervision. So he said to me, can you come over to my, my house and we can work together over there? Okay. So he went to his house, came and picked me up from the station in his car and all that. We would work over the, over the whole weekend together. He would bring me back on Monday morning. And I became his, you know, for that particular project, although there was a guy who was senior to me in charge, very capable guy. He, was, he had just married and he was in, floating in, in, in the clouds. With his marriage, he didn't. He wasn't going to work in over the weekends and this and that. So Mr. Barnes needed somebody who would be willing to do all that, and I was too happy. So I I worked with him for almost six months, and I after six months my visa was expiring. I told him, Mr. Barnes, my visa is expiring. I'll be leaving. So who cares? Your visa is expiring. Sir, I would be illegal. So they will come and catch you. They will take you away. I said, I don't know what the system is. Don't worry about these things. Forget about this. How can I forget about it? We'll get a lawyer for you. We'll get this, that, that. So he got a lawyer for me. He paid, paid from the office, the lawyer, and applied for my, my permanent residency. I said, okay but I can't stay here forever because I have to go home too. It's been more than six years, almost seven years since I left India. We'll, we'll talk about that some other time. He wouldn't even listen to me. Anyway, four, six months go by, my visa didn't come back because some, somewhere along the line, my files got mixed up for some reason. Just one of those quirks of yeah. nature. So, I told him, I'm sorry, but I have to go. Visa, no visa, citizenship, no citizenship, I, I don't care. I was planning to go back anyway. Thank you so much. I admired you, your work and this, that, that. He said, okay, promise me one thing. You go back and, and meet your family. Can you come back? I said, no, I have to get married too. Waiting, somebody waiting for you? I said, no. Well, okay, do whatever you need to do. As soon as you get married, come back. All right, sir. 
That's exactly what I did. And I spent the next 25 years in his office. Wow. And, and, and I, did, I did the a, a school here, Miss Porter's school where Jackie Kennedy went. He had clients like that. Uh, and, and then Chicago Botanic Garden in, in Chicago. Yeah. And, and then came uh, Indiana University. And, and uh, I was asked to be you know, in charge of first, first part of one building. And my clients at Indiana University loved me. They really liked me very much. One after the other. And we were the master planners for Indiana University. There were, there were seven campuses. We were, three were small campuses. They didn't want us to bother with them. Four campuses where we were in charge. And as I started working on it, I became in charge where I will be attending all the meetings of the board of trustees and, and meeting with the president or chairman of the board of trustees. That was, I didn't know, they wouldn't ask Mr. Barnes to come over, they would ask me to come over. And that's how I worked. And for all those years, I designed a number of buildings, including some the business schools, the uh, conference centers, hotels, uh, then swimming pool, a, a Olympic size swimming pool, which was used by the Pan uh, Latin American Games, Pan American Games. And these are the house, these are the buildings which are the size of a New York City block, wow. which is about 400 feet long and about 250 feet wide. And, and there were 4,500 visitors there who would be watching all those things. And those were, the, both those were the kind of buildings I was working on. And then I designed another facility in, in Bloomington, in Indiana, for the Bloomington School, which is their, their head office. And then I designed a number of buildings at, at various places in, in, in South Bend, Indiana, in, in, in Indianapolis, and in this Indianapolis campus was all, it, it, it was a, not a place where people would, would stay overnight. There was no dorms. Yes. But they, they had, uh, it was a, what is that, commuting campus. Okay. There was, okay. There was et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, so Mr. Barnes decided when he was about 75, he decided that he could not work anymore because his health was deteriorating. And Indiana University had eight major projects going on in his office, in, in Barnes' office. And I was in charge of them, all of them. Because at one time, Mr. Barnes asked the client, is it too much, how is Gajinder doing? He has so much load of work. How can he do all that? And they said, Mr. Barnes, don't you worry. We are very happy with him. They would give me the new project. I would go over there. Here's a new project for this. You, you, Mr. Barnes would come. What are you working on? Oh, this is a new project. Why don't they call me? <laughs> what can I tell you? So when, when the buildings were dedicated, my name appeared along with Mr. Barnes. Oh. Designers. Yeah. Edward Larvey Barnes and Gajinder Singh. Both. 
So I have all those things in New York. I can, I'll show you sometime. I'll show you my portfolio sometime. You'll be surprised. So I can't wait. So I when 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 he said I was he was closing his office. They said, so what happens to our projects? Talk to this guy. So university asked me if I would open my own office. I said, why not? If only if you would give me work. Well, this is all your work. Complete this first and then we'll give you more. This is what they did. So I ran my office for almost 15 years. That was, that was when the 2007 and eight crisis came, you know, recession. Yes. Then all work stopped because Indiana University was a it was a state university. The so funding had to come from the state, and there was no more funding coming. So I found some work in in, in New York, and I some point I said, then then there were new the new jobs were not of much quality. They were not challenging because the whole idea of working with advance was that I will be working on challenging jobs. I could have gone on to my own in India, starting with building houses for people and slowly trying to build up. Could have taken me 20, 30 years by the time I would, you know, yeah. by the time I was 55 or so. I just wanted to get, my whole idea was to, the passion for architecture. I wanted to do, I didn't matter whether it was under my name or somebody else's name. It turned out that it happened to be Come, came back to under my name. So, so when I when I decided to come back, I went over to the American consulate, and they said the guy who was in charge over there he was interviewing me, and he said, "Oh, by the way, I think there's a in in the files some some guy by this name, uh, it, Mr. Barnes, sent us a, a letter of employment for you." You went to pick it up. Yes, there was a letter of employment for me. <laughs> I come back, I didn't, you know, etc. So, but uh, all I would say is this, that in my career, that every opportunity, every hurdle that came, yes. turned into an opportunity. It, 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 it happens only when you are sincere, when you are not playing games with people. I am a Sikh, and I'm proud of myself being a Sikh. You asked me one, one thing, one time you said, what is one misconception about Sikhism that, that you want to be dispelled? And mostly we, people think we are, we are Arabs or Muslims because we put on turban and beard. Well, is, can, you, can you hold that thought? Because I have like one major question. Go ahead. Tie it up together with what you're about to say. So um, I, know, I know you were, were you in you, were you in New York after nine uh, around nine eleven? Yes, I was here. Okay, because I, I was here. in Nigeria during nine um, nine eleven or nine eleven. Obama, not Obama, Osama bin Laden. Yeah, Osama bin Laden, and. Um, so I saw in the news how people were mistakenly, uh, people were attacking Sikhs, thinking that they were Arabs, which was still a stupid thing to do. And what was your experience like uh, around then? Luckily for me, personal experience, I did not have any mishaps. Although a couple of times my wife noticed 
that some guy came with a stick trying to take my turban off from the bat. And I didn't see that. But she said, I, you were go, walking a little further. She was walking about a few feet back at that just so happened. And I said, I did not. But I will tell you that living in New York was a blessing because New York is a, is a place where everybody is coming from some other place. Yes. Although, although on that day after that, I, I tried to go and see it over there. It was foolish on my part, call it whatever. <laughs> I was so confident. And, and nobody bothered me. Nobody bothered me. The Chinatown was closed at that time. I could not even go near the, the buildings, the, the, the ones, the, the World Trade Center buildings. I could not even go near them. But I was part of the crowd. And nobody bothered me, not one person. And I, I give credit to the people in New York that they are so understanding. People here in America, in, in New York, happen to know enough about the Sikhs. Or they were, they were courteous enough. But no, but I do know outside, many people got shot. Many people got shot. Our temple was shot. There, there was, a, there was a, a few years later, a, 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 there was a uh, mass murder over there. You know, yeah, some guy came with it. about that on the news. Uh, but that that is but i i would say lucky i'm, I'm very lucky in in that sense that where i live all the people there there is all the museums around university around yes all highly educated people they they know enough about us so they were very kind and friendly but nobody even even called me osama in in, in my vicinity although if i we are outside in another area. The, the 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 kids will come over and call me Osama, Osama, Osama. So I'll I'll just wave it to them. You know, no, I'm not Osama. I'm not Osama. But you know, yes, that that was that was the the confusion, and and outside in uh, in other places, people's lives were miserable. Even in Long Island, people's lives were miserable. They, 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 they just wanted to hide. They did not, my friends, I, would, I talked to them, I said, oh, things with you. Things were very bad. Things were very bad for them. That some of them were, people threw eggs on them and, and you know, wrote all kinds of nasty things. And in front of our temple, they, they wrote some very bad, foul language over there. So. I, I'm aware of what was going around, but on a personal level, yes, lucky, just happened to be, I, I I had no personal problem. I was traveling by subway, I was traveling by buses. So Nobody, with that, so with that being said, uh, what's one misconception that you, you would like to set straight about Sikhism? Let Let's end with that. Okay, Sikhism is a modern religion which came into existence as, as a resistance to the Mughal rulers of India. They, our, not only, not only that, but our first Guru Nanak was opposed to a lot of the things, he was born a Hindu, 
but the, the Hindus were treating Muslims very badly and Muslims were treating Hindus very badly and they were all constant. He came from a, an average family, but he was attuned to, to the almighty God. And, and he was a poet and he was a singer and, and a friend of his was a, was a Muslim guy and the two of them together traveled all over the world, all over the world, literally. Four directions, the cardinal directions, he went 10 years in each direction. And, 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 and 40 years he, he walked around. He went from, from East uh, Burma to West, all the way to Saudi Arabia. He was in Mecca. And, and in the North from Tibet down to Ceylon, Sri Lanka. So he traveled all over India. And, and then were his followers, but his message was one, we are human beings, let's treat each other with respect, and not, let's not get into this nonsense about who is superior, who is inferior. And by the way, do not call women inferior. In every religion, in, in Islam, and as well as in Judaism, women are considered half a vote. Yeah. Not not even full vote. In if in in any case, if there's a dispute somewhere, and a woman has to see happen to see it, she would be considered half a vote, not full vote. This I was told by 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 a Jewish friend of mine. But but with with us, we are we our women have exactly the same rights that men have. We our women can perform a marriage ceremony a, a, a child's birth name ceremony or they, they 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 can read the scriptures in 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 the in the public they don't sit separately of course separately in the sense they sit on one side men sit on the other side of the aisle you know so <clears throat> there's no chance of people rubbing bodies against each other you know so okay. that's the only reason although young people they they come and sometimes they take liberty even with that aspect of it, you know. But most of them are generally couples, you know, husband and wife sitting together. So it's, it's fine, but nobody objects to that. But, but uh, other than that, it's a religion that forbids enmity, hatred, expects you to be a self-respecting people, and, and respect others too equally. Do not, because because the Muslims were the ones who 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 killed us, does not mean that every Muslim is a bad person. Do not do not treat them with with, with that notion. And and in our holy scriptures, there is poetry of some Muslim saints, and the poetry of some untouchable saints. Untouchable being, they were the ones who, who 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 would carry the garbage from from your home, all garbage. There were saints amongst them, beautiful saints, wonderful poets. Even their poetry is in our is in our holy book. We go and bow in front of it. So the other thing is, never be afraid of anybody. Always tell the truth. Let let nobody push you around. You have a right to self-existence. Do not 
turn the other cheek when, when somebody tries to kill you. So carrying a sword is part of our 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 uniform. Oh, okay. So we 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 are expected to carry a sword. Guru said at that time at the, at the, at at his time, riding a horse was forbidden to us. Carrying a mustache up like this. I don't know if you you can see this. Carrying a mustache. Yes. That you you were supposed to carry a, put put your mustache down. You could not ride a horse. Oh. Not allowed. So he said, forget about all this nonsense. Be be self-respecting guy. If somebody attacks you, resist it. But do not attack anybody. Try to be friendly. Respect other people. And there's an Englishman who wrote this thing. He said, when a Hindu becomes a Sikh, his his spine gets straight. He walks like a prince. And he's not afraid of anybody. This is who we are. I'll, 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 I'll finish it there. All righty. I think that's a good place to end on. So thank you very much for coming on the podcast. It's been a pleasure having you. We'll definitely have to do a part two because there's still more stories that we didn't get to touch on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, thank you for giving me this chance. And uh, I hope people like it. That's 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 all I can say. <laughs> no, I hope your podcast uh, business uh, or, or, or uh, you know profession thrives because you you you. you as far as I'm concerned, I think you you do a wonderful job. You 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 bring in at the right time you, you things. So I'm I'm very happy with that. So thank, th- you, thank you and thank you, Josh. <laughs> thank you. Is Josh there listening? He's, he's there. He can hear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tell him, tell him to thank for me and, and anything you know. All so right. for most obliged. Thank you. Bye bye. Thank you everybody for joining us and. Thank you for the privilege of your company. Thanks for listening to White Label American. If you enjoyed the show, we'll appreciate if you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. If you have any questions, comments, or have someone who will be a good guest on the show, or you want to be on the show, send us a message at whitelabelamerican at gmail.com. And make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at White Label American. Thank you for your support.